Welcome to episode 27 of Getting Real About. In today's episode, Shauna and Libby talk about how they are parenting differently the second or fifth time around. Whether you're just embarking on the journey of parenthood or you're a seasoned veteran of parenting, we hope you'll enjoy the conversation, candor, and laughs as we live and learn through parenting together. All right, ladies, it's time to get real. Welcome to another episode of Getting Real About. Today, we are getting real about how we're parenting differently the second time around, or maybe the fifth time around, as we'll (laughs) get into. I am Shauna, and I'm the leadership development pastor at Gold Creek Community Church. I wear several hats, and I like new projects, so I just tend to get into some different worlds of things that I do here. And I am married. I'm coming up on nine years of marriage, which is kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. And I have two little ones. I have a daughter who is three, almost three and a half. And I have a son who's one and a half. So they're almost two years apart, slightly under. And it's a whirlwind of toddlerhood at my house. I realized the other day, I'm like, I don't have a baby anymore. I have like two toddlers, or maybe you could say the old one's a preschooler now. Mm, So she just uh, did the tiny twos class and graduated. So she's on to real preschool in the fall, an official preschooler, but uh, kind of wild, little kids. So I am in the thick of the toddler emotions and also the hilariousness of little babies learning all the new things, learning to talk and all of that and the personality starting to come through. So that's kind of my life stage where I'm at. And It's been a journey of parenthood so far, and I think it's kind of crazy how quickly we can make adjustments. So that's kind of what we'll talk about today, but I'm here with Libby. Libby, tell me about yourself. Well, hello, I'm Libby, and um, I've been married 16 years now. We just had our anniversary a couple weeks ago, Um, and Luke and I have five children ranging from 15 to four years old, two boys, three girls. So I'm kind of in the entire spectrum of parenthood. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you are. We've got the teenagers, we've got the tweens, we've got the elementary, and then the, you know, the four-year-old, I guess that's preschool now. So, yeah. Yes. So it's a little bit of everything. You do have a little bit of everything. Yeah. It's an adventure to say the least. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. And I think it's so cool. I actually met you probably like 10 years ago. Yeah. So I was just thinking about that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you're one of the earlier people I met here at Gold Creek and um, we've been in each other's lives and, (laughs) you know, getting to know one another. So I saw, I knew you when you had your fourth and your fifth. When I met you, you only had three. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, they felt really close together in age. They were. (laughs) So then then you had another one and I was like, oh, and And then then Sydney came. Yeah. Graced us with her presence. So yes. Yes. But each one has been a little bit farther spaced apart because of- There you go. um, my own sanity probably. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's so awesome. So you have five, I Mm -hmm. have two. So that puts us in a good pool of a lot of ages here from one to 15. And um, I have so much to learn still because I am still, I feel like I know nothing as a mom. I'm, you know, I'm three years in and I'm still making everything up as oh. I go. And I'm sure that continues for the rest of my yeah, life. Me too, sister. I'm but, 15 years in and I'm still know, making it up. <laughs> at least we can still glean from one another because mm-hmm, I feel like absolutely. over time, God teaches us new things and we adjust our expectations and we change <laughs> the structures we have in place and hopefully can get a yes. little bit better, a little bit better. And um, kind of stewarding our children through mm-hmm. time as parents. And yes. so we're going to talk about how we're parenting differently 
the next Mm -hmm. time around. So as we've had multiple kids, what has changed? And I thought we could break this up into just some categories. So even from like the newborn stage, Mm -hmm. that's one obviously fresher in my mind of like things that I changed drastically between Mm -hmm. my two kids. And I would say with my first, I probably had postpartum anxiety. I didn't Mm -hmm. know it at the time necessarily, but even when I kind of had caught on to that's what's going on, um, you go into all your appointments with your baby. You have so many appointments with babies, (laughs) all these shots and checkups and all these things. Mm -hmm. And they're really diligent now about trying to take care of moms. And so you Mm -hmm. fill out these surveys every time you go in Mm -hmm. about, are you experiencing X, Y, Z? Well, all the questions are really postpartum depression related. Well, they tend to be really extreme. Yes. You're like, no, I'm not going to hurt myself or my child. And it wasn't, the language was more about depression and Mm -hmm. it wasn't what I was experiencing. And I knew I was experiencing something and I still didn't speak up. And I think that I was just I don't know if it was prideful or embarrassed or just wanted to figure it out on my own or didn't know how to say what I was going through. I remember a a meeting I was in once. I wasn't even thinking about my kids at all or kid at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, I just started to feel really weird. And at the time my phone had like a heart rate monitor. Mm -hmm. So I just checked my heart rate and it was like, 115. And I was just standing there doing nothing, thinking about like I was in a meeting. I was thinking, but nothing Mm -hmm. about my kids. So I just had this like racing heart out of nowhere. And I remember when she was really little, she would (laughs) shove her hands in her mouth Mm -hmm. and gag herself until she started like choking and stopped breathing. Oh my goodness. While I'm driving. Like there were multiple times that that I would sit, I would sit in the back seat and my husband would drive just Mm -hmm. because like she would constantly do this and would freak me out. But I noticed one thing that really stressed me out that I think contributed to my anxiety was just the concept of baby sleep. I don't know how I got so hung up on this, but this was like <laughs> my thing that just ruled my life. It's because it's the one thing that they're usually really good at. Well, you'd think, <laughs> but I would be really consumed with like the wake windows and when she needed to have a nap mm-hmm. and that I shouldn't let her sleep in the car because I need to get her home and need to get her down for the nap or else she won't nap and then it'll be terrible. Then she won't sleep at night. And I would just get really wrapped up in mm-hmm. it and it really stressed me out. And so that's been one thing with my second child that I was really active about mm-hmm. changing. So I still did sleep training. I actually waited till he was like 15 months to finally tackle it. And then every time I've finally done true sleep training and finish it. I've been like, why didn't I do that a year earlier? Right, but, right. Um, and no shame to people that don't, because I think it's whatever works for mm-hmm. um, your family. But for me, it was like, that was really helpful uh, for my sanity once they finally like slept through the night. But at the same time, um, I noticed that when I sleep trained my daughter and was really intentional about her naps, that that's when I really started to be overanalyzing it so mm-hmm. much. So that was one reason why I pushed it this time. Um, and I was just much more fluid. I was trying to be the relaxed mom and not stress about it. Like if he naps, he naps, if he doesn't, he doesn't. I really let it go. Mm -hmm. And I think it was actually good for my sanity. Maybe not as good for his rest because there were days that he did not nap at all. And he was baby and he needed a nap, but um, they usually make up for it. it they One do. Way or He's another, been great. Anyways, I was yeah. blessed. He's a pretty easy baby. And maybe I couldn't have been such a relaxed mom if I had a tougher <laughs> or more colicky child that definitely would change it. But what I really noticed too about myself is I knew that I wanted to be intentional about my anxiety. So mm-hmm. I had conversations with my doctors and my midwives 
before I gave birth mm-hmm. and I told them, I think I experienced postpartum anxiety last time. It thankfully resolved on its own, but I didn't have any help. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask for help. I didn't do any medications, any of that. And so I was intentional about starting the conversation and being honest with my doctors, which I wasn't the first time right, around. Right. And I think that that was really helpful for me. So mm-hmm. I was fortunate. I didn't experience postpartum anxiety this time around. I think a lot of that is hormonal. I don't think it's always avoidable with stuff that you do. Totally. So I yeah. maybe just lucked out this time and it could be different if we had another. But mm-hmm. um, the fact that I'd brought it up to my doctor and that I was being proactive about talking about it gave me a place of like, I knew if I experienced something this time, I wanted to speak out. I wanted help. I didn't want to go through it alone. Absolutely. Well, and also just knowing um, the second time around that it's a possibility mm-hmm. because when, when you're a new mom, everything is new. You're like, is this Everything's normal? anxious. Maybe everything, maybe everybody <laughs> feels like this. Maybe yeah. this is just what motherhood feels like. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is just what babies do because it's your first experience. And even yeah. though you have a community around you of family and friends and whatever that are going through their own journeys with motherhood and parenting and all that, you're like, well, they just deal with it differently than I do. This mm-hmm. is just something that I'm dealing with. But having that awareness beforehand could have just given you that, like, to to ease into it. You're like, okay, so this could happen. And Mm -hmm. since I know it could happen, I'm prepared. Statistically, it's actually more likely for you to experience postpartum anxiety than postpartum depression. And I don't think a lot of people know that because of the focus on postpartum depression, which I'm grateful for and is amazing from a mental health perspective. But I don't think a lot of moms know that the mm-hmm. anxiety side of that it's it's interconnected it's a similar disorder totally. but you can have much more anxious symptoms and it can be body symptoms like you like i said it might not even be like a mentally i'm thinking about my child but i right. was just experiencing like heart racing out right. of nowhere and to mm-hmm. not even know that that was a possibility like it's important to you know think about and one thing that my midwife told me this time around that was really helpful as i told her i'm worried about this mm-hmm. this might happen Um, I think this happened before. I want to be proactive. What should I do? And she was telling me, well, one of the best ways to hopefully combat the onset of this is to get adequate sleep, which she's like, I know that's hilarious to tell a new mom. (laughs) Right. But good luck with that. She was like, does your husband have days off? Mm -hmm. And if so, like, can he take the baby? Like, she asked me specifically, how many hours of sleep do you think you need to Mm -hmm. function properly? protect that number of hours. And she's like, if there's a night where you're getting less than that and your husband has the day off, give him the baby and tell him to only bring the baby back to feed because I was breastfeeding. And um, like you continue sleeping until you reach that threshold. And I I don't even know if I ended up having to do that, but just knowing that that was a possible tool that I could Mm -hmm. use to protect the amount of sleep that I needed was really helpful framework for me. And I maybe did it once or twice, but like, (laughs) um, yeah, just be like, okay, yeah. If I need to Mm -hmm. catch up because I, I really want to make sure I'm rested. Mm -hmm. We know that sleep and the baby sleep does not work because that's the only time you have in your life to get anything done is when the baby is sleeping. (laughs) Or to do absolutely nothing. I mean, every once in a while, I feel like I napped with my first a bit because I was so tired, but Mm -hmm. it would be like, I'd hit the wall at like 4 PM. So Mm -hmm. I'd really late naps, but yeah, once you have two, it's like, well, the baby's sleeping, but the toddler's still running around, so I can't just sleep. Oh, yeah. And then if they happen to by some miracle sleep at the same time, then I'm going to like clean the whole house because it's... Three Finally. months of things to catch up on and I've got yeah. 45 minutes to do it. How quickly yeah, can I move? I know, right? It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So 
what about the toddler stage? I feel like I'm just now in this Mm -hmm. for real. Um, And I feel like I just came out of it. You're just coming (laughs) out of it. But have you changed like how you parented littles over time? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, part of it is just because my focus can't just be so Mm -hmm. honed in on one or two of them because, I mean, there's a whole slew of them and they're everywhere and they're doing everything. Um, I definitely was a lot more of like a a hovering Mm -hmm. mom, (laughs) I guess you could call it, for the first two. Um, Just making sure that they didn't get hurt or don't fall down. Oh, no, are you okay? La, 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 la. And um, not to say that we shouldn't care if they fall down and get hurt because obviously (laughs) we do care. We We care. But um, I kind of give them a lot more free reign, Mm -hmm. like as I've had more and more of the children come along Um, and just let them learn lessons on their own or also just from watching their older siblings. I mean, I have to kind of let go of trying to control everything and baby proofing everything like baby proofing that never happened after the first. I was like, <laughs> well, I'm not maybe, putting maybe lock up the chemicals, well, but you know, you know. <laughs> but I mean like the bumpers on the table oh, and yeah. like, Oh yeah. All of that. I, I was, think I did any of oh, the second time around. I was either. so paranoid the first time. Mm-hmm. And after that I was all like, I don't want to live in a bouncy house. Like, no, I need to have. <laughs> I think what place. helps with that is carpeted <laughs> floors. Might I highly recommend it because our yes. first house had all hardwoods. And I swear when my daughter was like 13 months old and the world shut down due to COVID and mm-hmm. I was home with her 24 seven, which praise the Lord for you stay at home moms. Cause I'm not cut out for this life. <laughs> uh, I was, but it was really enjoyable at that season because yes. they're just so funny. But um, I remember the hovering mom, mm-hmm. what you're saying, like, mm-hmm. I think I followed her around with my hands oh, yeah. outstretched around her head in case she fell over because <laughs> everything was a hard floor and everything was a sharp corner. Sharp surface. And I was oh, like, yeah. she's going to hit her head. Oh, like, my goodness. Always. And yes. with the second kid, I'm like, OK, have fun. <laughs> but we moved into a house if with carpets. Bleeding, and fun. man, that makes a big difference because... <laughs> yes. If he falls over and like wax his head, it's not going to be on an essentially cement floor. So right. that was might get a rug a, burn, really good for my sanity, whatever. I would say, is getting some carpet. <laughs> totally. Sure. It is. It was funny, though, to watch, like, especially with the, the two youngest ones, because when they were in the little itty bitty toddler stage, the older ones were old enough to be aware oh, of yes. the dangers <laughs> that are present for their, their smaller siblings. So. In a way, they were still somewhat cushioned from they're things, in a bubble, yeah. but not so much by me because yes. they're all like, oh, no, oh, don't do that. Oh, don't do that. Oh, that's sharp. And I'm just like, oh, OK, that's which nice. is also cool because then cool. I realized that they have those instincts of mm-hmm. like being aware of what's around, yeah. not just them, but others to, you know, help protect people or themselves. For sure. Stuff like I that, also so. feel like there is a prevalent culture right now that I am very anti, but it's out there. I don't know if it's social media or what, but like that moms have to be so involved in their children's like developing babies and toddlers lives. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to do all these activities and how should I be stimulating them all day long? And I'm like, <laughs> the whole world is stimulating. They're going to be okay. <laughs> but like, I think oh that there's a lot of pressure on moms mm-hmm. right now to oh, yeah. like, I don't know, fill every second of every day with something that's going to be developmentally good for your child. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot that you can do with your kid with independent play. Like it's very good oh, for them. Goodness, and yes. so I think, yeah, as you have more kids, you notice like, oh, they actually are like, 
learning this skill because they're playing own. with their sibling yeah. or they're just learning how the world works because they're totally. working on something mm-hmm. and maybe taking a little bit of the pressure off of us as moms to be like one-on-one sitting down, talking with our child, singing to our child. Like those Absolutely. are all good, but you don't need to do that 24 seven. Not 24 seven. And on, honestly, like filling them up their schedule with music classes and, you know, tippy toe dance things and this and that and all those things like, yeah, they're great. They're good for enrichment and whatnot. But I feel like if you fill it too much, then that's going to become their expectation where they always have to be doing. Mm -hmm. They can't just be. And how are they going to figure out how to be just in social settings and interactions with other people And, you know, even just like sitting and talking with another person, if you're not doing something, if they're constantly being told, well, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. It just, I feel like it would be definitely like a lot. (laughs) Yeah. I've heard that kids don't know how to be bored these days. Oh, they don't. Mine do. I mean, that's good. (laughs) We have to teach them that it's a skill. Like what do I do with myself when my day is not dictated to me? That's Mm -hmm. a skill. Yeah. How do, what do I want to play? What do I want to do? What do I want to imagine? Like yeah. if you never give them the opportunity to mm-hmm. be bored and figure out what they're going to do. They won't know who they are or yeah. how they want to be. They can't be. be creative and imaginative. Yeah. When so. I've told my kids, I'm like, your imagination is a muscle just like anything else. Mm-hmm. And if you don't use it, it will atrophy. And all you want to do is be entertained. And if yeah. all you can do is be entertained, then how are you a person that's going to be, you know, good for society and- yeah influencing the world and like contributing totally yeah yeah Yeah. and especially i mean your family's so creative so you don't want (laughs) to like kill off the creativity i mean it's something so god-given like Mm -hmm. god created everything and he made us in his his image like we are all made to be creative in some capacity i should not do fine arts but and i should not sing there we go but there's something (laughs) that we have to be creative about that makes us it makes us like God. It's something Absolutely. that he gave us of himself. And mm-hmm. so we want to cultivate that in ourselves and in our kids. And yeah, mm-hmm. if we don't give them the opportunity to sit around until they figure out what they want to do, they're never going to work that muscle. Exactly. So I love thinking about it that way for totally. sure. And just letting them try the different things. I mean, that is one thing about having them do different things, you know, filling up their schedule. Not that I think mm-hmm. that's okay, like I said, but letting them try different things. And if they are enjoying it, then let them pursue it further. But yeah. don't have so many things where they can't even think about like, do I enjoy do this? I or is be? this yeah. what I have to do? It's just another box to check off. You know, I mean, our kids have tried music lessons. They've tried Kung Fu. There was horse camp. We've done, <laughs> I mean, all sorts of different things. And some of them liked it. Some of them didn't. And so yeah. some continued and some didn't. And they found their own things. So totally. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. All right. So do you want to talk about any of the older stages as you have uh, gone through like elementary age, the preteens? What's changed for you at those ages? (laughs) Well, um, there's a lot more tears on my part. (laughs) Kind of swaps. Um, Oh, goodness. It's hard to just pick one little area to think about. It's it's different with every single child. I mean, I've Mm -hmm. got a 15 year old, a 13 year old, an 11 year old that are in that like tween and teen age. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a real trip to watch them kind of graduate into that new stage of life, I guess you could call it, um, where they definitely have a lot more opinion to share and a lot more (laughs) sass and the ability to express how they're feeling (laughs) 
<laughs> both good and bad. Um, it's just, it's wild. Um, and they're, they're all different. I mean, yeah. two of mine are very extroverted. And so they're very outspoken about how they're feeling and what they want to do, or if they see injustice and, and the other one is a much more introverted one. And so she just kind of sulks in the corner and glares when she's angry rather than like <laughs> being loud about it. And it's, it's, it's almost like learning. It's like the same language, but different dialects. Like each of yeah. my children has a different way of communicating. We all understand each other, but there's still those times where it's just like completely lost in translation yeah. and you have to kind of sit down and be like, okay, let's unpack what's going on here because you're obviously upset about something that I don't see as something that should be this big of an issue sort mm -hmm. of a thing. So um, I don't really know where to like start with all of that. <laughs> well, you're all learning new languages, I guess, uh, basically. Pretty much, like, yeah. yeah. Our whole lives, I feel like, oh, are man. filled with learning. And so yeah. parenthood is no different. It's oh, this journey that we're just like never done, mm -hmm. thankfully, because none of us are perfect. So right. that means there's always room for improvement. Yes. Uh, yes. Thank the Lord for that. And so. I have told the kids that because, I mean, I don't expect them to be the perfect children. And, but yeah. I've told them they need to not expect me to be the perfect mother because I am just another person and I've got flaws and I have bad days and they have bad days. And <laughs> we have to just realize that we're all still learning. And I love that. They sometimes think that's weird because mom should know everything, right? Yeah. I have all the answers. And sometimes I'm like, I just don't know. I don't know how to help you with this. I don't yeah. know how to help myself sometimes. And let's just work on it together. Yeah. It works out usually. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk about the spiritual side of parenting, yes. the idea that we're discipling our children to hopefully mm -hmm. come to know and love Jesus. It's something yes. important to you, important mm -hmm. to me. Um, I love seeing your kids serving and coming to church as mm -hmm. they've gotten older. It's so cool to see. They I mean, it. I have a coworker who like her son is in the system as someone serving. I'm like, he's like five. How can he be serving all the way? Like, this is amazing. And so it's always exciting so to me young. like that um, kids start to kind of take those pieces on, yes. on their own. But yes. how has like parenting from a spiritual perspective changed for you over the years? What have you done differently? Oh, goodness. I feel like it's changing on a daily basis, not yeah. just over the years. Um, I don't even, I don't even know. <laughs> um, it's just, it's the thing of, of laying down the foundation and just living every day in a godly way. And hopefully mm -hmm. them being able to see that and realize that that is like the foundation to build upon. And I know that's really, really broad, <laughs> but, um, I mean, we pray with our children and I mean, we've, we've been in and out of churches their entire lives. I mean, we've moved mm -hmm. a few different times and whatnot. So, um, but they know that they have, um, like a, a spiritual foundation that goes back generations on both sides of our family. Mm -hmm. And they know different things that Luke and I have done. We've told them we've, a lot of what we've taught them is just through our own personal experiences because yeah. we've both done different mission things and served in different communities and whatnot. And um, we aren't doing as much of that obviously now because they are our mission field, I guess you can say, but um, it's really cool to see the, the progression of their own personal walk with mm -hmm. Christ. Um, Cause you always feel that you're failing in one way or another as a parent. And honestly, yeah. the spiritual aspect 
I still struggle with. I'm like, I'm not teaching them enough. I'm not showing them enough. I'm showing them all the flaws that I have. I don't respond well. I'm not being very Christ-like. I'm angry and all the things. Um, But seeing them actually take steps forward on their own and realizing, okay, even just the little lessons that I remember to stick in every now and then during the day, it's making a difference. And they're they're learning from that. And um, when they come to me and they're like, hey, mom, I was reading my Bible in this verse here and I don't really quite understand it. I was like, oh my goodness, you're doing it on your own? Really? Okay, cool. Let <laughs> so me help cool. you. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, oh, wow, like it's working. Yeah. And not just in the spiritual way, but in all of parenting, yeah. you have those moments where you're like, oh my gosh, it's working. And it's just, it's really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't it's know. So fulfilling. Yes. <laughs> it's so fulfilling. <laughs> and I think like for me, what I've noticed, I mean, I'm a pastor and I mm-hmm. still feel like I'm probably like the worst in this category. <laughs> like it's so hard. I'm here all day at church and like everything gets a little bit like enmeshed between right. church and like church is work, but church is church. And like my spiritual right. life is my job, but my spiritual life is my own personal responsibility, mm-hmm. right? So there's a lot that I think I can still learn and grow, but it's Always. so interesting. Like there, there is no handbook for parenting in general, but like, oh especially I feel like you bring this kid home and you are not thinking about their spiritual lives when they are a baby. It's like, no. I just, it's not a thing that crosses your mind. So <laughs> I've like noticed, King moment and now, it's like, oh. I've noticed yeah, with my um, daughter, we've started to put some spiritual practices into mm-hmm. place. And I would say we could have done a lot of them earlier. Um, but now she gets used to like every night she picks out any book from her mm-hmm. um, choice of books at her bookshelf. And mm-hmm. some of them are spiritual books and most of them aren't. But mm-hmm. after that, we always do a story out of her Bible. And this probably started when she was about two. She's pretty advanced in the communication area. Yeah. Uh, she's always been like really ahead of the game verbally. So I kind of had realized, oh, she has maybe enough attention span for me to read a story out of her Bible now. Mm-hmm. And that happened probably around the two-year-old mark for her, maybe slightly under. Mm-hmm. And we started reading through her Bible and we're on like the third time through now. Wow. And we read a story. Now she wants it before nap and before bedtime, but it's always a thing that like finishes off her routine before we go to bed. And I realized like doing this with my older one is actually going to set this type of practice in place for my younger one at an earlier age. Mm -hmm. So like um, praying at the dinner table, Mm -hmm. we don't always remember to do that, but my daughter now is like, we forgot to pray Mm -hmm. in the middle of the meal last (laughs) night. Right. So my son is actually going to witness us doing more of that than my daughter did just because with her, it was like, we just didn't start the things right Right. away that we could have been doing. And so it's exciting for me to know that like my son will be able to glean from the things we've started to put in place in my daughter's life. So absolutely. We've, we've had um, meal times where we've forgotten to pray and halfway through our youngest will be like, oh no, pray, no. And then we'll end up praying like six times because she just wants to do it again and again and again. Well, that's pretty cute. And we're like, okay, that's great. Now we've got to eat. But we do the same thing. We do the devotionals at bedtime. Yeah. And um, before we had started doing that, the kids have these Bible stories that they like to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they would fall asleep listening to Bible stories. Aww. And that's been 
from the oldest all the way to the yeah. youngest. And so, I mean, the Bible stories that they have listened to have played literally thousands and thousands Are they on cassette time. tapes is what I want to know. Well, they're on DVD. Okay. Or not DVD, CD. CDs. Sorry, CD. Okay. There you go. But yeah, so they, they're all the scratched player. and they're yeah, all like, awesome. they've been well-loved. But yeah, um, yeah it's so just, cool. they fall asleep to them. And a lot of times they'll just leave them playing all day. I'll be like, what am I hearing? They're like, oh, it's the such and such. I'm like, but there's nobody up there. Like, we just like hearing it. I'm like, okay. okay. Right, the <laughs> Bible can't complain about the Bible. I know, right? And at least it's not something super annoying. Yeah. <laughs> so let's switch gears a little bit and mm-hmm. talk about chores. How have you oh, yeah. changed your parenting over time and in regards to chores? This one, I feel like I'm somewhat well-versed on. <laughs> I'm excited because this is the time of life I'm ready for. I'm yes. ready for my kids to yes. start doing they're, they're chores. Getting there. Come on, 18-month-old, you I can know. do it. Scrub that toilet. Get, get on your <laughs> knees. Wait, don't get on your knees. <laughs> so chores has always been an interesting thing okay. in our house. So when I was growing up, it was just my brother and I, and we just did what we did. We kept our rooms cleaned and we'd pick up our stuff. And it was simple. But um, in our house now, we have five of them and lots of different areas and things everywhere. And um, I would say probably about five years ago, I got to the point. So my oldest was like 10. I got to the point where I was so overwhelmed because they would kind of keep their rooms clean, but everything else fell on me. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of stuff just for the rest of yeah. the entire house. It's exactly. Like a and lot of things. Yeah, I get and it's it. a lot of their stuff. I'm a stay at home <laughs> mom, but I'd want to be doing things other than cleaning all day long. Yes. And um, when they would get in trouble, I would say, okay, that's it. Your punishment. You're going to go clean the living room or you're going to go, you know, scrub the toilets or whatever. And um, it was just a constant battle. And so at the end of the day, if I had had a, a hard day, the house would be a disaster And everybody was fine with it except for me. And then I would go to bed angry and it just wasn't working. Mm. And I realized that I was using the chores as a punishment. Yeah. And that wasn't working. It wasn't working for me. It wasn't working for anybody because our house was always a disaster because- But it also made it so negative. Right, exactly. But if like, if they were being good, I felt bad saying, I need you to do this chore. Because then it was like, well, I'm not punishing you, but I just want help. But to kids, I mean, a chore is a chore. And so I was like, you know what? Something needs to change here. And so I decided to make a chore chart, which a lot of people have had in in all, all in history, history. <laughs> right? But I was like, how can I make this work for us? And so I color-coded for each of the kids. And um, we, have dis- we had different zones. And so there was the living room and the dining room and then like the hallway and the playroom sort of a thing. And so at first I made it so that it would change every day. And so every day they'd have a different zone to do. But then I realized that on certain days, if we were, you know, gone, went to the zoo or whatever, we'd come back and then it didn't get cleaned. And the next day they'd be complaining that, oh, so-and-so didn't do their chore. How come I have to do it now? And so I morphed it. And now we have a weekly rotation. Okay. And so as they've gotten older, obviously they have more to do. Um, The younger one, um, well, Sydney doesn't really do much of anything. She just kind of follows around and helps. But I mean, if you ask her to help, she's more than happy to help, but she doesn't have an assigned area yet. But um, they are expected to do their chores daily if they want to have certain um, privileges like extra video game time or they get to pick the movie or whatever like that. Um, One thing that I had started um, 
I guess it was about five years ago too, to kind of motivate into yeah. the whole like chores aren't necessarily punishment, you know, punishment anymore. Um, I came up with what we call the chore store and kid uh-huh. cash. Oh, I remember your yes, kid remember? cash. Yes, remember? I still have a stash of it. We aren't doing it so much anymore because the older kids don't care so much about it. But um, I made just little dollar bill looking things. I had ones, fives, tens, and twenties, and they were just made out of construction paper. And I would tell them that each chore had a certain value. And it wasn't just like their their zone that they had to clean. It was things like brushing your teeth every morning and every night and helping to clear the table and making sure your bed was made, things like that. They each had a value that they would earn. So it's basically like earning an allowance, but they'd have to earn fake certain money. Fake, fake money. It's You're really smart. And so they would earn it throughout the week. And then if there was really bad behavior, if somebody like threw a royal fit, then they would have to pay me with their kid cash. And so they would mm-hmm. lose money because then it was like, okay, there's consequences. There's good consequences and there's bad consequences. And at the end of the week, I would set up the chore store and it was um, things from like the Target dollar spot section yeah. or the dollar store or special treats, um, some big things where they could um, save up money for like family bowling date or something like that. Mm. And so they would get to go shopping in the chore store once a week. And um, they were learning math, which was good. (laughs) And they were learning the value of different things. And if there was something that was um, a larger price point or whatever, they could pool their money together if they wanted to. Or they could say, well, I want to save this. I want to put this money aside for this certain thing and then pay towards it for however long until they got it for like the bowling date or whatever. And um, it was like this epiphany moment when it all finally clicked and worked. And I was like, oh, my goodness, they actually want to do things. They're learning the value of hard work. They're learning how they can help each other. More often than not, um, they would end up giving their extra, you know, two or three kid cash dollars to one of their siblings because the other one was two or three dollars short. And so they're learning, you know, being considerate to each other and they'd buy things for each other. And um, the surprising thing that happened from that is um, when we would go shopping, they wouldn't just be asking constantly, mom, can I have this? Can I have this? Will you get Mm. this? Can you get this? Instead, it became, hey, could we possibly get this and have it in your store? And it's like they had a change in their mind, like, I, I want this things. thing. Yeah. I need to earn it. So can I earn this thing? And mm. I was like, Ooh, wow, it's yep. working. I'll buy that and put it in the chore store. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so yeah, it's, there's still occasional battles. I mean, yeah. I still it's parenting don't like doing my chores be. either. So yeah, but yeah, sure. but yeah. So, well, yeah, and I think it it's works. so funny. Like my sister, I was hanging out with her a couple months ago mm-hmm. and her kids are seven and just turned 10. Mm-hmm. And she was saying how she was getting together with one of her friends and they were talking about their kids doing chores. And she's like, wait a minute, why aren't my kids doing chores? And I'm like, I don't know why your <laughs> kids aren't doing chores. They're seven and 10. But like, in my they mind, should be I'm doing like, all the chores. Of course, because I'm like so ready to offload some of this kids. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that uh, part of the hard part is letting go. I'm like a type A person. So letting oh, yeah. go of how I want something mm-hmm. done. It's hard. But the crazy part is like, I don't think parents always think about, just like my sister, you might not be thinking about giving chores to your kids mm-hmm. at a young age because it just doesn't occur to you. They're so young, whatever. But right. like my daughter has definitely had seasons, ebbs and flows of mm-hmm. like really wants to be helpful. Yes. She wants to help gardening. There's nothing I hate and loathe more <laughs> than gardening, but she wants to weed. It's so dirty. She wants to <laughs> weed. I just don't like weeding. I don't know. But um, 
I found at Target, there's like a set of toddler garden tools for I've $15. Those. I They're bought so those. Cute. I think I, was I had like, them at Let one her point. think that chores mm-hmm. are fun. Exactly. Like if she's excited about that, mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna activate on that. Absolutely. And so she's she actually is just starting to get interested in like if I let her help with the dishwasher a little bit mm-hmm. or um she's learned to fold washcloths but then like there's times where she'll fold like 10 of them and then there's other times where she'll fold one and be totally done so I mean she's only three (laughs) years old the attention span is very short and I can't make it like strict because I want it to be fun I want her to realize it's just a contribution so she'll ask me like why do we have to clean up (laughs) why why do we have to weed you know like she'll she'll ask it while we're doing it a lot so it's really like teachable moments of like, this is what God's given us to steward. And so Mm -hmm. I'm like, we have to take care of our house. Like, and she's seen me cleaning her whole life, but I've been doing it all for you, kid, you know, or I do it when you're sleeping and you you just wake up to a clean home. It's like Christmas morning. (laughs) Or it just stays messy forever because I'm too tired. But, you know, she's noticed me cleaning in the past. Sometimes they get, both my kids really like it when we vacuum. And so they Mm -hmm. have like a fake vacuum. They'll vacuum alongside (laughs) with me. But now Kiara will like help me pick up the things in the room Mm -hmm. so that we can get ready to vacuum. And, um, but she'll ask, why do we have to do this? Why do we have to do that? And I'm like, well, we're taking care of our house. We have to take care of what God has given us. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he helped us get this home and it's something that we own and we have to take care of it so that it stays nice so that, mm-hmm. you know, when we have friends over that it's a nice clean place. She knows about ants. We've had a problem with ants, oh, no. not at home, but somewhere else. So mm-hmm. she had a freak out moment where she dropped like a crumb in her bed and she was like, the ants are going to come. <laughs> but she understands like we have to clean up crumbs because right. we don't want the ants to come in. Yeah. So it's really interesting how that little tiny, tiny uh, preschooler mind, like the why question, you know, mm-hmm. but you can answer those questions and like help their brain start working just in the context of chores. Like Absolutely. you're teaching them responsibility. Yes. You're teaching them about just like general picking up after yourself mm-hmm. and good hygiene and routines. <laughs> yeah. And so right. I'm like working towards that right now. Yeah. We don't have routines in place. And I'm like, you know mm-hmm. what, we need to get to the point where we're just like Every night we start cleaning up the toys mm-hmm. just in our main area. Yeah, and just a simple and way. And that's like, the routine. The and then she'll get used to like, totally. oh, this is just what we do every night mm-hmm. before bed because it's a part of the bedtime routine. She yeah. has so many other elements to that routine she already knows. Just add so one it's on. just adding one on. Yeah. Totally. But um, I think sometimes parents shy away from like chore structures when their kids are super little. Mm-hmm. And yes, you have to be flexible, but they're excited to help. And so I always think anytime yes. we can tap into that energy and make Absolutely. it something that they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Don't overkill it and be like, now you're doing all these chores all the time. <laughs> and then they don't want to, but right. just tap into it when they want to do it. And yeah. if you make it a part of a routine, then it's like, well, every night we're going to do this. So exactly. you can help me with it right now. Or, you know, we can go to bed early because I'm going to have to do this like after you're asleep. But it's just something we're going to do every night and not necessarily use it it as a punishment. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, For sure. And it is hard when you have the the kind of personality that wants it done a certain way or even just wanting it done right (laughs) when the kids are smaller. Um, It is hard to not just like quash that and be like, oh, no, no, you just go do whatever. Mm -hmm. I'll just take care of it. Mm -hmm. Because it is easier a lot of the time to just do it yourself and realizing that they do want to help. Mm -hmm. And that's building them up as well. It's like, look, you can help. You are a part of this family and you are a part of the system that is this household and you do have something to contribute. And if you build that up and not make it a punishment, like I had originally, 
they actually take to it a whole lot better. <laughs> yeah. And I've heard what can help with that. So this is what I'll have to work towards, but mm-hmm. not correcting them mm-hmm. in the moment. So right. like if my daughter starts washing a window, mm-hmm. it's going to be terrible. It's going to be like streaky, you know, like Mm -hmm. she won't know what she's doing. Right. That's okay. It's learning a new skill. Right. But if we just decide, oh, this isn't good enough. So I'll just do it right after her. But she sees me. Then she sees I didn't do it. Why should I even try? I'm never. Yeah. Or it's just upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I've heard a lot from other parents like don't necessarily go over like the dusting that they just did poorly Mm -hmm. right after like just wait till they're not watching you or just do it the next Mm -hmm. week again you know or even just to come up next to them them and say you're doing such a good job can I show you another way of doing it that might you might actually find it even more fun and it might work a little better Mm -hmm. I've done that with with my younger ones um my daughter likes to try to wash the shower with hairspray, which mm. does not work well. And of course, Doesn't I don't really want shower. her. No, <laughs> soap scum and hairspray skunk. But um, just showing her, no, this is the actual thing to use. And even if it's just a wet washcloth, yeah, it's not what you'd normally use, but at least it's better than what she was doing. Yeah. But just showing them like, good job on what you're doing. How about you try this? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. then they're seeing, okay, I didn't do it right, but I'm learning and mm-hmm. learning is okay. Yeah. And it's not that, you know, somebody has to come up and do it differently mm-hmm. or something Yeah, but like definitely yeah. don't be like me, which I've definitely done it. Like, just let my daughter do something. And then right when she finishes, just go back over and do the same thing again. It's like, <laughs> okay, no, <laughs> add a pause there, add a pause. So she doesn't <laughs> notice that I'm just cleaning up after what she just thinks she cleaned right. up. And she can feel accomplished, you know, yeah, she exactly. can feel like she's contributing because especially at the age of three, like it's not going to be perfect and that's right. okay. But just the you fact know. that she wants to is mm-hmm. like, that's what I want to honor. Yes. Yeah. Honor that, and help build that it. to grow. Yes. Yes. I love for that. sure. All right. So how about in the context of discipline? Is it, Has there been a lot of changes in the way you've disciplined your kids over the years? Yes. I can say that there definitely has been. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just a lot of change. Um, goodness gracious. Yeah. Um, with our oldest, who's now 15, it's all, it was all trial and error. We didn't yeah. know what we were doing. You know, I think every parent, parent of yeah. a, of their firstborn is just kind of like, oh, well, this is how my parents did it, or this is what so-and-so says they do. And so that's what I'm going to do. And, um, I think that we expected a lot more from him at a much younger age mm-hmm. because the only real, um, I mean, other than on my own upbringing, I saw my nephew who is like, three years older. And so in my mind, they're all small, whatever, like he should be able to do what he should be able to do and, and all that. So, um, we had a lot of really high expectations and would then, um, be very quick to discipline and not, not quite so quick to, um, to like explain what was happening, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And just as, as we've had more kids and we've experienced more and just understand life and children and everything more. Um, I use a lot more of the opportunity to try to teach rather than just discipline. And I know that they should go hand in hand. Like it should be, I mean, just the word discipline, (laughs) you know, it's like means teach. Yeah. But I mean, I think as parents, a lot of times we just fall into it just being punishment. It's punishment because you did something wrong Mm. and not really explaining, okay, why was this wrong? Why are you getting in trouble for it this time? And maybe not last time. 
things like that. Um, we've done a lot of the, well, you know, if the first time it happens, it can be an honest mistake, but if you know it's wrong and you're still doing something, then there's going to be a consequence that is a punishment consequence. It's not just like the teaching moment of this isn't okay. Um, I will say that with the older two, there was probably more of like the spanking than there is anymore. And mm -hmm. I think part of that was just, like I said, with my upbringing, that's, that's what happened. I mean, you yeah. got in trouble, you went and you got the paddle, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it was never done in anger. I mean, there was always, you know, an explanation to it and hugging afterwards and all that with, with myself and like with the older two children. But um, I've just learned that depending on their personality, that doesn't always work. Like you can't beat the bad out of somebody. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously you'd think that we'd all know this by now, but um, just learning what works for them yeah. to show, okay, this can't, this can't be how, how you act. You can't act out like this. You can't do this. This is how we need to do things. And um, yeah, just making it much more of a, of a loving thing. Not, not to say that there isn't punishment because mm -hmm. there, there has to be for certain things. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of talking in circles. Well, I get it. I get what you're saying. Thinking of all the different kids at all the ages. And I'm like, how did we do that? <laughs> what did we do? Well, and I think but, you were kind of hitting the nail on the head. Just the idea that every kid is different and needs something yeah. different from you. And mm -hmm. that's something that we have to learn over time mm -hmm. as we grow as parents. And discipline does change over time because of yeah. that. And I've also been trying to think of like, how can I make sure that it's I'm teaching, I'm not just punishing. Mm -hmm. And um, that whole idea that our expectations are totally whack. Right. I started oh. reading some books. Who has time to read books? I don't know. So I've not finished them. <laughs> so I still know nothing about parenting. But in the beginning of these books that I'm, you know, starting to read, uh, just the concepts of like how little impulse control they mm -hmm. have at a young age. Um right how many seconds it takes them to even recognize that you've told them to do something mm -hmm. that you're expecting an immediate about face turn in their behavior. But it takes them like, I want to say like 30 seconds when they're toddlers mm -hmm. to like even process what you've said to them. Right. And you've already 25 seconds ago expected them to change mm -hmm. and they like still have barely even heard you. <laughs> yes. So um, it's expectations. It's hard mm -hmm. to realize you're putting a higher expectation on your kids than what they're capable of. Right. Um, just from a brain development perspective and mm -hmm. yeah, developmentally as they age. So that's something for me that I just wasn't aware of and I'm mm -hmm. still not an expert on. And it's something that my husband and I both as parents still right. need to grow in. But like, I think everybody does. it helps us be less frustrated if we can have realistic expectations mm -hmm. if that's not true of everything in life I don't know what is but <laughs> at least in this realm there are you know there's some data that can help mm -hmm. us in this is what your child is actually capable mm -hmm. of at this age and this is going to be your frustrations and this is exactly. what you're going to run into so well and also the way that one major way that it changes from one child having one and then having two three four mm -hmm. or five in my case is just like you said with the, the different routines you set in place, the mm -hmm. younger ones will see yep. the older ones. And so they have, they have expectations already of their own, even if they don't understand them, they're like, oh, this is okay, this is not, because they see what's allowed yeah. by the older ones. Just um, 
and I mean that's the true with with any any part of their their um their experience. I mean, yeah. they learn from their older siblings. Sometimes I think they learn more from their older siblings than they do from my husband and I. Um, and just realizing that, okay, it's it's okay that it changes. It mm-hmm. it should change because their their world that they're growing up in, even if it just means the family unit is different. Yeah. Every with every kid that comes into the family, the family unit changes. Yeah. The dynamic changes. And um yeah, it's and they lash out about different things, you know. Oh my goodness, yeah. yeah. Well, and so do I. <laughs> a new kid coming into the family makes the mm-hmm. older one lash out. Mm-hmm. And so something that's also different about discipline between kids is when you only have one, you never have to discipline for like interpersonal conflict among children unless yes. they're, you know, at a daycare or at a school or something. But like all of a sudden <laughs> you bring the second one home and you mm-hmm. have sibling conflict that didn't exist before. And like that will little babies, you can't let them all drop. Eternity. I know. I, know. <laughs> I still but, have conflict with my sibling. <laughs> yeah, don't we all? Yeah. But I, I just mean like it's, it's an opportunity for them to mm-hmm. learn something new, but we have to remember they didn't know how to deal with this before. Like whatever right. emotion they're feeling that they're taking out on their sibling that we know is completely inappropriate and not right. okay. They never had that before mm-hmm. or they didn't, you know, they didn't lash out right. before in the same way because there wasn't another little person there. Right. They didn't know, they didn't know they even had to. Yeah. And so what I've had to figure yeah. out for me is that, um, and I think especially for my husband, like violence against a sibling is like a big trigger for us as parents. Mm-hmm. And it can make Huge. me like go from zero to a hundred of anger uh-huh. and then responding not in good ways. Exactly. Because I'm, I think I'm trying to keep my kids safe and like make sure they know it's not okay to like <laughs> physically do something to your sibling. But if I can't stay calm, or if I'm exactly. reacting in anger, or mm-hmm. if I'm like want to pop her on the mouth because whatever, like mm-hmm. it's it's not helping her understand what's going on and how to deal with and the processing situation. through it, yeah, mm-hmm. and how to actually adjust her behavior. Absolutely. So um, for me, it's like recognizing the things that do make me feel triggered, and that's mm-hmm. one area where I'm hoping over the years, as time keeps going <laughs> on, that I get better at because I'm still. Right in the thick of it. And I would say so far that three years old has not been my favorite age. So I have a three nature. I I do. And she's very opinionated. Mm -hmm. And um, like today we had a full on meltdown because she picked out a new shirt and it was a tank top and had something about mermaids on it. And it was her favorite color, but then she put it on and there was a massive meltdown because she actually wanted a dress. And it wasn't a dress. How could you let and, her have and then, a shirt that wasn't a dress? And even mom. putting on a skirt was not gonna gonna oh, work. No, and we all, we navigated this one okay. <laughs> we were fine. But it's like the amount of things that just cause a meltdown mm-hmm. is exponential per day. Mm-hmm. So I'm just learning for me, it's hard, it's emotional. There's so many emotions coming from her, but then things that are triggering me that mm-hmm. I have to learn to bring my emotions down, to taper right. my expectations and all those. And if, I, if I'm if i not able to stay level, then I can't parent well, I can't yeah. discipline well. And so mm-hmm. identifying my triggers, um, like I've noticed when we're like running super late, that mm-hmm. has been triggering to me. I um, understand. But like ultimately... I could do things the night before to prepare myself better to set myself. You can't avoid everything. Right. Like when you have a baby and there's a blowout as you're trying to get out the door, like you and can't avoid all the things yeah. that come up in the morning. 
Um, but there are things that I could be doing and right. not putting whatever things I haven't accomplished yet on my daughter's slowness, right? right. Like it, not everything is about what right. she is or isn't doing. Some of it is my own preparation yeah. that I'm putting my frustration on her. And so just yeah. figuring out my triggers is something that I'm trying to get better and better at so totally. that I can tame myself down. Well, and I think that's one of the largest things I could say has changed with discipline is self-discipline, mm. which sounds strange when I say it actually, but um, um, just realizing that I'm a human and I have bad days. And there are days where I'm just mad at the world. Yeah. And it's not my kids' fault. Yeah. But everything they do is super irritating. And then I freak out. And then it's like I'm the cause of the problem, not them. And realizing, okay, well, they're humans too. And they have bad days. And they're allowed to have bad days. They might not understand what's wrong, but they're just having a fit and they're having a bad day. And that's okay. And to love them through that, even if they are incredibly unlovable knowing that I have the same kind of thing to happen. And also, like you said, knowing your triggers. There are times where it just feels like the entire world is falling down around me and I can't handle it. Yeah. And I know I can feel like I'm right on the edge of totally freaking out on the kids. Yeah. And taking a step back and saying, guys, I need you guys to handle yourselves for five minutes. I need to walk away. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, when they're younger, you have to make sure there's nothing dangerous. You That's can't when just, the baby proofing yeah, important. Exactly. Yeah. You can't just walk away and like, let them be. But as they're a little bit older, I can do that and just be like, you need to give me five minutes because I just need to get my head and my heart straight before I deal with this or I'm going to do something or say something I regret. And it's it's putting myself in a timeout mm-hmm. and just taking that moment to be like, okay, they're kids. They're learning. I'm learning. This isn't the end of the world. It feels like it, but just breathe, pray, and ask for just a little bit extra grace <laughs> to yeah. get you through the next moment. And then going back into it and being like, okay, there's a lot of emotion. Let's diffuse the situation and then deal with it. Mm-hmm. Because it's so easy just to like fly into the rage and just be mm-hmm. like, wow, what are you doing? Everything's yeah. horrible. And then there's, you know, the guilt that comes after that. Yeah. And But also realizing that you're not going to catch your triggers every time. No. You are going to freak out at your kids and probably make them cry a time or two. I know I have. Um, and just realizing that, okay, that's okay but you have to go back to them after and be and just be really honest and tell them, you guys, I'm really sorry. I handled that completely wrong. You were doing things that were wrong. I understand, but I did not handle it in a godly loving way. Mm-hmm. And will you guys forgive me for being really horrible to you? Yeah. And it's amazing how easily they'll forgive. I mean, mm-hmm. you, we all hurt our kids. We've all been hurt by our parents one way or yeah. another, right? Emotionally and spiritually in all the ways, (laughs) but having them come to you and admit that, okay, we don't know everything. We screwed up. You know, we didn't treat you the right way. Please, you know, forgive me for that. And they'll just do it so quick most of the time. I mean, sometimes there's a little bit of resentment there as they get a little older, it takes a little bit longer, but um, yeah. All those things though, I think you're teaching them tools for their own lives too. Mm Because you're showing them a healthy way to process when they feel overloaded, Mm -hmm. that they can step away for five minutes and also like take a break. So you're modeling for them 
a behavior that's healthy to help them diffuse their own emotions as well. So Mm -hmm. as they start getting older and older, it's like they're going to start to recognize, oh, that's why mom does that. Or (laughs) this is like what it helps me to hit the clear my mind. Like, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think the apologies are are really important. I've done yeah. that too. I mean, mm-hmm. again, my daughter is only three. I'm already messing up so much, but I do feel like we have really good conversations after I mess up because yeah. she really does understand. And so, mm-hmm. um, because, because we're able to communicate emotion. so well, There's yes, so much they are. And, and we can talk through it. Yeah. Like mommy shouldn't have yelled at you. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I yelled at you. Mm-hmm. I was feeling really frustrated. Right. Um, you were being really slow (laughs) or whatever the thing is, right? Like you weren't listening when I said we needed to get dressed Mm -hmm. for school. And I was feeling really frustrated because I know it's time to be at school. We're Mm -hmm. late and we need to leave, but I still shouldn't have yelled at you. Right. Because it only makes it worse. Mm -hmm. And and will you forgive me for yelling at you? Right. And can we work on getting out the door together? And I think a lot of parents miss that part of it. I know um, when I was growing up, if I got in trouble, I got in trouble. And yeah. it didn't matter if the if my parents overreacted or freaked out or whatever. It was like, well, mm. I did that. And I mean, I have a really good relationship with my parents. Yeah. I, I have a, I had a very loving childhood, you know, but yeah. I didn't, I don't really remember um, being apologized to. Yeah. And I, I remember certain times where like they were really mad. Usually it was yeah. at my brother because... I was a good the child. Angel. I know, right? But um, I think that it's such an important thing to model to the kids. Yeah. And also not just if um, if you're in conflict with them, but like with your spouse. Like Luke yeah. and I don't fight a lot. We're both pretty mellow most of the time. Um, but we occasionally have things that we disagree on. Mm-hmm. And ironically, usually it's parenting. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's really hard to be on the same page. I know, right? Well, usually we are, but occasionally it's like, okay, you might've been a little bit rough with, you know, how you treated this situation or whatever. But, um, occasionally when we have had, um, our little fights, I mean, that, that, I don't even know if I could call them like a fight, but it's like a disagreement. Yeah. There's passion, but there's nothing like, it's not out of control. We're not, yeah. we don't yell. Neither one of us are yellers or anything like that. But, um, the kids see that, but then they also see when we apologize to each other and we mm-hmm. come back together and forgive for whatever was happening. Like, I'm sorry if what I said came across this way because that wasn't my intention. And, yeah. you know, they see the reconciliation as well. And mm-hmm. um, as uncomfortable and vulnerable as that can feel to do that kind of thing in front of your kids, because the generation, I think that the generation of our parents, it was a private thing. Yeah. Like it was very private. You don't talk about religion, you don't talk about money and you don't fight in front of kids. <laughs> like those are just the things you don't do. Um, and so I didn't see that. Like I knew my parents would have conflict and I knew that all of a sudden everything was just fine, but yeah. I didn't see the model of the progression what of the relationship. Right. Yeah. And um, it's, my, our kids are used to seeing the problem solving between their two parents. And when we have a disagreement or not, or, or whatever. And um I just think that it's a really important thing for them to see because then that models the problem solving for the relationships between siblings, but also, you know, out in the world and, and in the future and life and stuff. So anyway. And I think you bring up a really good point about like feeling like you hadn't been apologized to, because Mm -hmm. I could say I've talked through a lot of stuff with my daughter, but I don't always end it with, will you forgive me Mm -hmm. for 
you know, and it, it even gives if I'm talking power. through, I shouldn't have, yeah. I'm, I will say, I'm sorry. I mm-hmm. will say blah, blah, blah. Like I, we talk through a lot of stuff, but mm-hmm. I don't always ask for that mm-hmm. forgiveness. And I do think that that's an important piece to add in there it's because really it's giving them thing. the power yeah. back to say, I get to decide what I'm going to do with my emotions about right. this and like, mm-hmm. um, come back to the conversation with you and re-engage in this relationship with exactly. you and it gives them that power again mm-hmm. which is really cool and it's hard not to do the whole i'm sorry but yeah i don't it's do, all don't your do that. fault well, <laughs> it's like no I no, no 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 <laughs> never say i love you but oh yeah yeah it's a bad one too yeah. so yes. don't don't do the butts yeah. there yeah for sure <laughs> well what about um we've hit on it a little bit throughout a few of these topics but the concept of mom guilt over the years oh, how has this like changed for you or like you know between kids it's morphed (laughs) okay um it's definitely changed throughout the years um with my first I think I was just afraid of doing everything wrong because I didn't know what I was doing and so the guilt was you know I, I don't have him on a schedule and I don't have this and I don't have him enrolled in all of these development classes and all this stuff and feeling like I was being judged by every other single mother out there. And um, after the first sibling came along, it was, am I too spread between the two? Am I giving equal time? Am I giving Mm -hmm. equal attention? Um, And then as the children kept coming, (laughs) um, it became less of that, um, less of the, of the feeling judged by other people and more of the, I'm not spending enough time with the kids. Yeah. Um, and it's the kind of mom guilt that will wake you up in the middle of the night at like Mm. two in the morning and you just lay there thinking of all the things you're doing wrong. Right. (laughs) And that probably started, you know, (laughs) two days after my son was born and it's still happening today, but it's, it's, um, it's a challenge. And I think it's something that, probably every mother deals with, whether yeah. they admit it or not in one way or another. Um, I'm a stay-at-home mom and we homeschool the kids and I love it. But at the same time, I wake up in the middle of the night thinking they aren't getting the experiences they needed by being in school and having all of their peers and all of these things. Like they're not going to have the graduation parties because there's not going to be a graduation ceremony. They're not having the end of the year school trips because mm-hmm. it's like, I'm I'm not giving them enough. But then I have friends who are working moms and they have the same intense guilt, but for the opposite, I don't get to be around my kids as much. They're always out with their friends. They're never at home with their family. They don't experience any of the family life because I'm always working. And um, it's it's still a struggle. I mean, I've, I've gotten to the point where it's like, okay, I understand that God has given me these kids for this time to do the best that I can yeah. with what I've been given and who he's made me. And I just need to funnel that into them and realize that I can't make it perfect. I can't make sure that they have the perfect education. I can't make sure that they have the perfect spiritual foundation. They're going to have to come and find some of that stuff on their own. Yeah, I can't make friends for them or not make certain friends for them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's hard, but realizing that you're only one part of the job Yeah, is huge. And I know as moms, we take on everything. Like I'm the mom. I have to do things. I have to take care of all of it. Like everything yeah. buck stops with you, right? Like it's your job. But realizing that, no, God has given you a role to play 
but you're not to play every single role. It's not a one person show and um, that he will help you along in the places where you need the extra help. And he will bring other people in to fill in the blanks that you can't fill in. Yeah. And um, it's, it's a real thing though. I mean, I still struggle with it. There are days where I'm like, I got this together. I'm doing great. And then there are days where I'm like, oh my goodness, how can you trust me with five little lives? <laughs> I can barely get myself out of bed. What's going on? Well, I'm well, amazed because I, I think you hit the nail on the head of like, there is no end to the mom guilt, no matter how you're no. mom. And so the stay at home moms, mm -hmm. the work from home moms, yeah. the working moms that work out of the home, like no matter part-time working, not working outside the home, no matter what it is, you're feeling mm -hmm. guilt about something like we Everything. never feel like we're yeah. measuring up and yeah um just to realize that like there's no right way like you mentioned right. I you know they didn't have the perfect school experience well I'm not sure there is a perfect school right? experience like there's a problem <laughs> with all of them so like yeah, exactly I'm I'm might try one type of schooling for my first child and then decide mm -hmm. that doesn't work for our family and change it you yeah. know but like well we've me, done a couple different kinds yeah so. me and my personal um way that I'm wired, I've noticed when I'm home with the kids, like 24 seven, I become more apathetic as mom. Mm -hmm. I struggle with the monotone, like nothing is happening. Like just every <laughs> just day is the same. Grind. And I'm like, what do I do? And like, right. we spend too much time watching TV. I forget to take the kids outside. Mm -hmm. And Ooh, for me, me like, working actually makes me be intentional about mm -hmm. the time that I have with my kids more totally. than when I'm off. Mm -hmm. And it's strange, I know, but that's just the way I'm wired and other people are totally. wired to the exact opposite of that. And I think there's amazing moms on all ends of the spectrum. Yeah. My best friend's a stay-at-home mom and she has like a million times more patience than me. So I'm so glad she does that because she's better <laughs> at that than I would be. But, you know, we're not all wired the same. Mm -hmm. So don't take on the guilt of thinking exactly. other people are judging, you know, what you're doing or mm -hmm. what's right for your family, because we all have to figure it out right. on our own. Well, and, and God gave us our kids yes. and he gave them their kids. Yeah. And that's why we are doing it differently because yeah. the kids have different needs. Yeah. And I like to think that we've been given the ones that fit. <laughs> yes. Yes. And we've yeah. been given, you know, our own selves and our own personalities mm -hmm. and our own tasks from God of what he wants right. us to do with our lives. And mm -hmm. that's different from person to person and exactly. no one is like higher than the other. And so it's important exactly. to just like lean into, just like you said, like we're supposed to be with these kids. We don't have to worry about, right. you know, how other people are doing everything. Mm -hmm. We just have to kind of let some of that mom guilt go right. because and let it's those always going to be there. That are doing it differently, love on our kids and we love yes. on their kids. And like yes. I said, it fills in the blanks. So, yeah, I think that the expectations that we have on ourselves as moms is way, way, way bigger than any sort of expectation other people yes. have on us. Like I said, when I felt like everybody was judging me. No one cared. I, I really don't think they did. <laughs> I really, really don't think they did. I mean, now I've kind of also gotten over it because, you know, we're a big family. Yeah. So when we go somewhere, there's a lot of us and um, we get a lot of looks, mm -hmm. but not not as much now that the kids are older, but when they were all quite small, yes, it was like, whoa, that's a lot of kids. And it's like, yeah, it is. So 
<laughs> you How know? many times did you hear, you've got your hands full? Oh my gosh. I Ugh. know, right? Like you, like you hands don't full know. Hands love. <laughs> like you don't know. I know, right? I only birthed five of them. I this, know. This is really a surprise that my hands are full. I never knew until you told me. Well, Luke always did the thing of, oh, wait, that one's not ours. Where'd that come from? I was like, you can't joke like that around here. People are going to call the cops on us. Yeah, well, <laughs> They're all ours, I promise. You touched a little bit on schooling. So you've changed kind of how you have Mm -hmm. schooled your kids over time. What's changed for you between kids? So we started, I decided early on that I wanted to homeschool. Mm -hmm. And so um, we started homeschooling the older two and um, things were going great. And I always wanted to be, there were like four things in life I wanted to be. I wanted to be a, a wife, a mom, an elementary school teacher and a pet store owner. Okay. Great and dreams. I know. Right. And I kind of feel like, well, I'm a wife and a mom. Now I teach my kids. So that's elementary school. And they all are kind of like wild animals. So it's kind of like <laughs> You're doing I've, it all. I've done it all. I have it all. It's perfect. Um, so we started homeschooling them. And then um, we had a family tragedy and everything kind of fell apart. And I basically lost like a year of schooling with them. Mm. And I was emotionally distraught. I mean, I was just spent like in yeah. all ways possible. And so um my husband and I decided, well, we're going to, we're going to put him in public school and just see how it goes. You know, like I loved it when I was little, he hated it, but we're like, well, let's just hope for the best and give it a shot. So, um, they went to public school for two years and it was, um, um, kindergarten and first grade for the younger, the youngest, and then first grade and second grade for the oldest. Yeah. And um, it was a good experience at first, you know, I mean, they were very social. They had a lot of friends, um, the school was close to the house, so it was going well. And um, then we had an unpleasant experience with some of the the school administration. And I don't need to go into any of that stuff, but it was just kind of like, okay, I kind of felt like God was saying, you know, you said that you were wanting to do this and maybe it's time to go back to doing this. Yeah. And um, so it was kind of just the prompting of, okay, we need to go back to the the intended plan you've had they've had this experience you've had this experience with them bring them back and i was like okay cool so um we started doing the homeschooling again i tried building my own curriculums and my brain about exploded that because <laughs> there's just so much and so um we would just we we'd order different curriculums for them and stuff and i kind of just became the the school marm in the dining room. Right. And we had the school cupboard and all the books and all the things. And it worked really well for like three years. I want to say when the two, well, the two younger ones, well, there was only one at the time, um, wasn't in school. Like they were still just babies. They were just playing and doing their thing. So I had school time and we had play time and it, and it worked really well. But as they were all getting older, I was like, okay, at this point, I have five kids. I have four of them that need to be doing schoolwork and yeah. the baby still needs attention. I can't do four different grade levels and mm. still be a good mom to the baby and all this stuff. And I was getting super overwhelmed again. And so we went from doing like books and hands-on and all this stuff and me trying to teach all the different grades to um, an online program now where they they have a lot of independence uh, but I can still check up on them and we still do a lot of supplemental and we bring in a lot of diff- different spiritual things and whatnot. But it's, um, that was a huge thing of mom guilt too, because yeah. feeling like I'm not keeping up with their academics. I'm not, we're not doing enough science experiments. We're not going on field trips. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. 
And it would get so to be so much where I would just be like, ah, I, I just can't do any of it. We're just yeah. not going to do anything. Which, of course, just made the mom guilt even more. So yes. um, realizing my own limitations and what they really need compared to what I think they need or what I think they should be doing. Um, it's you just kind of have to let that go. And they're doing great. I mean, they're they're excelling at what they need to excel at. And I kind of figure one of my my new motto is they might not have the best education, but they'll grow up to be good people. <laughs> I love that. It's <laughs> more important in, anyway. I know, right? But in doing so, again, it's it's letting them realize what they're more interested in, yeah. which things they want to pursue and which things they don't. I mean, my son doesn't really care much about the English language and all of the intricacies of, you know, literature and all that stuff. He likes he likes science and he's yeah. good at math. And, you know, you just finding that the different, the kids like the different things and they will dive in deep to the ones that are really passionate to them and they will, they will excel at that. And they're still hitting where they're supposed to hit. So yeah. schooling awesome. is like, <gasps> it's still intimidating to me, but yeah. I'm, let me tell you though, I am learning algebra all over again. That's amazing. So when, I'm not ready for that. Oh, neither am I. I I'm tapping into like, my brother. He minored in math for fun. So I've already told him there's oh, a new fun. math and you need to learn it. He's like, there's a new math. I'm like, yep. And I'm not teaching it to my kids. So yeah, I'm know. sending them to your I house. I think I'm teaching them old math, but hey, it worked for me. No, I don't get it. But, How know. does algebra change? I don't, I don't know. It's all complex to me. I, I don't math. So I know. Well, we'll I used to, to my brother. say to my teachers, I'm like, when am I ever going to have to use this in real life? And now you are. And now I am teaching it. I'm like, wait a second. That's a dirty trick. Trick. <laughs> All right. I have one last topic for yes. us as okay. we finish out our podcast today. And that is um, things I want to still get better at or change about my parenting Everything. moving forward. Everything better. <laughs> well, we just talked, we've talked about how it's, it's a lifelong learning mm -hmm. experience and, you know, things change after the first one, after mm -hmm. the second one, whatever it may be. And we adjust and we're trying to figure it out and um, things don't stay stagnant. And no, so I've just don't. been thinking about myself, you know, moving mm -hmm. forward. And for me, I think uh, I talked a few podcasts back about empathy and learning that like, oh, my toddler needs empathy too, which is such a strange thing that it didn't occur to me. Right. But like, it's so natural, but it's so, unnatural. so natural for adults, <laughs> but not toddlers. So I'm still yes. working on that. Um, working on making my way through age three when it's not my favorite and how do I not let myself get taken over by the triggers when I'm mm -hmm. frustrated um, and being also like staying more in the moment, mm -hmm. um, especially the good moments with yes. the bigger ones since yes. I am, I, I struggle with the age overall, but there's still such gems in this age. Like yes. she is literally a comedian. So there are <laughs> things that she does that are just hilarious and I want to hold on to those you yeah, know and for sure um, and my younger one so far my favorite age has been like eight or nine months up through almost two years and mm -hmm. he's 18 months now so I'm like that window of time is going to be ending soon and I need to spend more time with yeah. him and like yeah. just soak in the silliness and the mm -hmm. words he's learning and <laughs> the little write things notes. down oh. because neither one of these kids are going to have anything in their baby books and it's fine, but I need to write, you know, something down yeah. for my memories. I think even I though. have three baby books out of five oh my kids gosh. and like maybe 20% yeah. of it's filled out. Yeah. But I've noticed one of the big ones for me where I want to grow is um, making my spiritual journey 
more visible to mm-hmm. my children. So mm-hmm. something that I always remember about my childhood, my mom was a stay-at-home mom mm-hmm. and uh, both my parents, their walk with Jesus was very important to them. Mm-hmm. My dad is a morning person. My mom's a night owl, but my dad <laughs> would do his quiet time at night right before he went to bed, mm-hmm. uh, which I always knew like he'd go up to bed and you know, when we were little, little, that would be after we went to bed, but it'd be like nine, nine thirty. He's going right. up to bed and that's when he does his quiet time. But my mom would do it every morning, mm-hmm. like a, you know, 9 a.m. kind of time frame. Right. And we knew like she would go out into the formal living room and have mm-hmm. her quiet time and we were supposed to leave her alone mm-hmm. so she could have her quiet time. <laughs> but like, I always knew if I really needed her, I could go in there. Right. Uh, she was always there for me. Mm-hmm. And I was the kind of a little bit crazier child because I was the talkative no, one. I needed never. more attention maybe than my <laughs> siblings did. My brother was probably getting into something he shouldn't get into. And my sister was like off doing whatever. But I just remember like seeing my mom spending time in the word, seeing mm-hmm. my mom spending time in prayer, mm-hmm. like knowing that that was a part of her daily routine right. and like that it shouldn't be interrupted. Not that I couldn't interrupt her and not that I couldn't sit with her because I could, mm-hmm. but it was something that was important to her that she made an effort to do every single day. And it was her routine. And I've just realized like with our current technology, a lot of times my quiet time's on my phone and then yeah. that doesn't look any different than me surfing Instagram. Exactly. So I've been Same thinking here. a lot about how like some parents you know, we've talked about how a nap time is the only time you get stuff done. Well, mm-hmm. I'm a night owl, so I might be doing my quiet time in bed after everyone's asleep, mm-hmm. or I might wake up early before anyone's awake or do it during nap time, but then my kids are never going to see it. Right. And so what are the ways in which I can invite my children mm-hmm. to witness my faith, like not just living out my life in a Christ-like way, which is right. very important and right. goes into all the interactions with your kids, but mm-hmm also just cultivating my own walk with Jesus and the spiritual practices that I need to stay healthy and how can I show them those and Mm -hmm. make them visible. And I think that's going to take intentionality for me to make like, okay, go back to the physical Bible, right. Mm -hmm. Or, or get a devotional (laughs) book that's physical or, you know, find a way to like show my daughter that I'm doing something like that Mm -hmm. so that she can understand what I'm doing because she's getting to the age where she's going to ask questions about it. What are you doing? Why does mom want to sit and read her Bible or why does blah, 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 you know? And I think that it was just really impactful for me my whole life, knowing how much time my mom spent in the word and in Mm -hmm. prayer. And I knew she was praying for me. I knew she was praying for our family, for her marriage. And like, it was, we did things, you know, around the dinner table as a Mm -hmm. family, family devotionals, that kind of stuff. But also I just witnessed my mom doing this on her own and my dad. And so I, I want that kind of visible spiritual life mm-hmm. for my children. And it's something that I need to work on because right now it's not visible to them. So right. um, yeah. same here, yeah. honestly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's just so much that happens constantly all yeah. day long that, yeah, it's like, okay, either before they're up, which doesn't happen for me because I'm a night owl <laughs> Same. <laughs> or after they're in bed. I mean, I yeah. could stay up and read for hours and yeah. pray for hours, but they're not going to see it. So yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. It's, it's difficult. I mean, it's a little bit easier when they're older because they understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the younger ones, they, they're all visual. I mean, if they yeah. don't see it, then is it actually happening? It didn't happen. Or is it even real? <laughs> so yeah, that would definitely be something that, that I would want to work on for myself as well. Yeah. So for sure. 
Well, I loved sitting down and talking with you. Thank, Thank you so you. much for joining me Thanks and just me. chatting about how parenting changes over the years because continues man, <laughs> I am at the very beginning still. And so um, I, it was just a topic I thought it's so funny to me that just in the course of three years, I already feel like I'm adapting and changing mm-hmm. so much between one kid to the next. You really do. With only 22 months apart. And so mm-hmm. I thought... Who better to bring with me <laughs> than someone with five kids who hopefully <laughs> can just share a little bit of yes. wisdom. So thank you so much, Libby, yeah, for joining absolutely. me. And for everyone listening, we're just so glad you're here. And we hope that you will join us again for our next topic, which will be airing on Wednesday, July 13th. So if you enjoyed this episode of Getting Real About, make sure to follow us on your preferred platform and then share this episode with other ladies in your life. We believe that every podcast episode has something for everyone. So absolutely. check it out. Thanks. And we'll see you later. I do have one last thing, if that's okay. Come on, Libby, share it. Let's go. So at the risk of sounding completely cliche, there's something that I tell myself almost on a daily basis about parenting. And it's the little saying that the days are long, but the years are short. And it's so true. So just breathe and enjoy the moment because it, it really does go so fast. And you look back and it's just a blur. A beautiful, messy blur. (laughs) Hang in there, everyone, with your parenting. (laughs) We've got this. All right. We'll see you in the next podcast.